Amen. If you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 7. I will start in verse 21. Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty, many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Um, My guess is you probably haven't heard about the great molasses flood of 1919. Anybody a big fan of that moment? No? So uh, we actually have to go back to 1915 in Boston. Uh, there's a company that, that used molasses to make alcohol, and they, uh, they, they wanted to get a lot of it. So they built a tank that could hold over 2 million gallons of molasses, right? It would be shipped in from the Caribbean. Uh, at the harbor, they had this, this pipe that they would heat up, and, and, and it would transport down this pipe to this giant tank uh, right in, in Boston. They're in this very busy area. Now, um, it wasn't built all that well, and, and that was known uh, pretty much right away. Uh, you, if you walked by the tank, you would see this dark goo leaking from the tank. Now, by today's standards, that might freak us out, but uh, back then, uh, apparently not so much, right? So there'd be like molasses dripping, like out where the rivets were and the seams, and little school children apparently would come up, and, and they, would, they would get some off with their finger and lick it, right? And you, not COVID-friendly to do that. Um, and, and, and most people seem to be okay with this. There was one worker on record that, that was nervous about this. But go forward four years, 1919, uh, one o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, suddenly there's, there's these sounds that, uh, that everyone nearby can hear. And it sounded like, uh, like machine, uh, a machine gun, so probably like the, the rivets um, ripping out of place. And, and there was this low rumbling that could be heard quite a ways away. And, and by that time, it was too late because 2.2 million gallons of molasses were coming. And, and uh, I think there's a phrase, slow as molasses. Well, not when it's 2.2 million gallons, okay? Uh, so the wave of molasses was about 25 feet tall. They estimated it was traveling about 35 miles an hour uh, down this street. And we're kind of laughing because that's crazy, right? Thinking about molasses traveling at 35 miles an hour. Um, But it was absolutely destructive. Took out whole buildings, like homes just collapsed upon themselves. Um, 21 people died that day uh, from this. 150 people were injured. There are some that were in the path of the molasses and it, it, the wave just caught them and, and transported them uh, quite a ways away. There was one uh, 10-year-old boy that, that I read about that he, he got caught in that wave and it took him, I think, like 100 feet, 200 feet, something like that. Um, and, and he 
he did survive. Um, but again, 21 people uh, died on that day. And this is an incident that uh, it impacts us today in, in, in a couple ways. Uh, this was uh, the first class action lawsuit. It took like six years to, to litigate all of this out in, in the courts, but tons of people came together and, and sued this business. Um, but we can also thank this incident for our modern day building codes. Uh, our, our country realized, hey, hey we, we need to have supervision uh, over how people are building structures. Otherwise, people might build foolishly, and, and that can lead to uh, devastating consequences. Our truth statement today is, is this. Uh, choose God's kingdom by acting on Jesus' warning that no one will enter the kingdom by outward works, but need a true relationship with him. I choose God's kingdom by acting on Jesus' warning that no one will enter the kingdom by outward works, but need a true relationship with him. So verse 21, Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Jesus is quite clear. There will be some who enter the kingdom of heaven and there will be others who do not. And we notice here, or maybe you notice that he says, the one who does the will of my father, our doing, it, it does matter. Our obedience or doing uh, the, the will of the father is key in our following of Jesus. We'll talk more about that in a bit, but let's continue on verse 22. He says, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. These words grab our attention. They, they should, right? This, this would not be a good time to fall asleep in church. These words ought to cause us to humbly come before the Lord and ask, is this me? Right? Will I one day stand before Jesus and hear him say, away from me, I never knew you. So one uh, critical observation to note is that Jesus has the last word. Right? He's the judge that we will all stand before. And it doesn't matter what you think about yourself. It doesn't matter uh, what your sweet grandma thinks about you. Jesus is the judge. He's the one who says who's in the kingdom of his father and who is out. And he says there are gonna be people that, that come before Jesus on that day, the day of judgment, people that say that he is the Lord. And maybe you're like, but wait a second, what about Paul, right? He says that if we confess Jesus is Lord, we'll be saved. So let's look at that, Romans 10, 9 and 10. He says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. It is right to call Jesus Lord. That is accurate. But just saying the, the words that Jesus is Lord, it isn't like this magical password that gets us into heaven. We see here with Paul's words, we, we see what we've seen throughout this around the mouth, this inner outer connection, right? This inner outer righteousness. In our hearts, we believe. And with our mouths, we confess. Right? There should be no difference between who we are inside in regards to Christ and, and outside. These people that Jesus is talking about, they'll call him Lord. 
and they'll try to justify um, themselves by what they did. And, and these works by human standards, they're good things. Like we would categorize these as, as religious work. We might call this ministry. They're out there prophesying. They're exercising demons. They're performing miracles. This is not a bad resume. It's pretty, it's pretty impressive. If we saw one of these people do a miracle in the name of Jesus, I'm guessing that we would look at them and think, yeah, that, that person will be in heaven. That person's going to heaven. They had really, really good-looking works. They call Jesus Lord, but the words only touched their lips. It didn't touch their lives. They called him Lord, but he did not have lordship over their lives. Even though these people call him Lord and do some really impressive works, Jesus says, it's those who do the will of my Father who will be in heaven. And Luke records uh, a similar saying. Uh, Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? The Christ follower hears Jesus and responds uh, by doing what he says to do. Uh, J.I. Packer, in, in the book Knowing God that we're reading on Sunday nights, he says this in, in actually the, the chapter that we're in this week. He says, Jesus' voice is heard when his claim is acknowledged, his promise trusted, and his answer called. From then on, Jesus is known as shepherd. And those who trust him, he knows as his own sheep. And then he quotes John uh, 10, 27 through 28, where Jesus says, I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Right? This is what it is to hear and respond. But these people that, that Jesus starts off here with, they, they didn't. So Jesus will say, I, I never knew you. Depart from me. And, and for years, I viewed this as a total surprise. But the more I, I read the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the more I doubt that these people are surprised when Jesus says that he didn't know them. Right? They try to talk their way into heaven. They've got the right words They've got this, this impressive resume of works, but they didn't try to convince Jesus uh, of knowing them. They were aware that there was no relationship there with Christ. When he says, I never knew you, he ends the argument. He, he shuts down the attempts to justify entrance to the kingdom. So I ask you, do you know Jesus? The false prophets and false teachers characterized throughout the Sermon on the Mount, there are those who, who say religious words, they do uh, religious works, things that look good externally, and we're meant certainly to think of the scribes and the Pharisees here throughout the Sermon on the Mount. They do not have the whole person righteousness that Jesus describes in this sermon. And Jesus calls them workers of lawlessness. You know that's not a compliment, obviously, but it, just, it doesn't just mean like bad guy. Right? This is a person who breaks the law of God. And we, we recall back in chapter five, verse 17, Jesus says, I, I haven't come to abolish the law or the prophets. No, I've come to fulfill them. Right, so Jesus lays out, it's not just following the letter of the law. You don't murder, okay, that's good, but you, you kill your brother in your heart and, and with your anger and with your words. Yeah, you, you don't commit adultery with a woman physically, but, but in your heart and your mind, you lust after her. Right, Jesus, Jesus says that, that this external righteousness, this following the letter of the law, it isn't how righteousness is, is measured. 
A worker of lawlessness is one who's a rebel against Jesus, the Son of God. Keeping the law isn't just obeying the Torah, it's obeying Jesus, the Christ. Later in Matthew, Jesus will go off on the scribes and Pharisees. Uh, in chapter 23, there's all these woes to the scribes and Pharisees. I won't read them all to you, but here's a couple. He says, woe to you in 2325. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate that the outside also may be clean. Verse 27, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. It is, it is much easier to appear good because you have some discipline on your outward actions, but, but on the inside, just be dead like this rotten corpse in a grave, right? The outward behavior might appear righteous, but it's lawlessness, it's rebellion against Jesus. Again, we have to ask ourselves, does this describe us? Is this me? Showing up to church service or doing church uh, things, Christian works doesn't save you, right? Hearing the good news that, that Jesus died for you. When you were stuck in your sin, when you could do nothing, Jesus came and, and died for you. And, and responding to that news by repenting, by turning from our sin, turning to Jesus as your Savior, trusting him and following him with your whole self. Now I know in any given church, there will be some who genuinely do know Christ. Uh, but this passage just sends you into this tailspin of doubt and fear. I do not want that for any believer. While I want all of us to, to look at ourselves and, and really ask, do we know the Lord, right? Are we saved by faith in him? I don't wanna send any of you uh, down this, this, this hole uh, of doubt and fear. So let me just give you two, uh, I think, helpful, helpful tests that, that point to if we know Christ. One is, is when, you're, when you're confronted with your sin, how do you respond, right? Is there repentance? Is there a turning from sin and to Christ? If so, uh, that, that's a good sign. The Spirit is at work in you. And the other test is, do you see the fruit of the Spirit in your life over time, right? Maybe in the micro, it's hard to see fruit, but in the macro, every believer should see uh, fruit, the, the work of the Spirit in the life of every believer. And as we, as we continue in this passage, there's great comfort for everyone who has trusted Christ. For those that have built their life on Christ, they, they will absolutely be saved. Let's keep going here, verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a, a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house 
and it fell, and great was the fall of it. The mic drop didn't exist yet, but this would have been the perfect opportunity. He starts this last little part with those who are in the kingdom, those who've built on the foundation that is Christ, right? The foundation that will never fail. And then he ends with those who are on the outside, right? those who built on the foundation of sand and their house that they've built will fall and the fall will be great. Again, a picture of destruction that we've, we've seen before. And so many times in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives these two options. And here, here we are again, right? Wisdom or foolishness. The one who hears the words of Jesus and obeys, and the one who hears the words of Jesus and ignores and, and goes on and lives life how they want to. Which builder are you? Are you full of wisdom or are you the fool? So let's start with wisdom as Jesus did here. Building on uh, the rock foundation. So this is the person that hears the words of Jesus and, and this person acts on them. They respond, right? They, they, they respond to, to what they have heard from Christ. Jesus says, this is like the person, that they're looking to, to build a house. They go to the site and they dig, and they dig and they dig and they dig until they hit rock, until they're built on this firm foundation that will not fail. He says, this is wisdom. You hear Jesus' words, you do what he says. And we can, we can make this complicated, but it's, it's, it's also kind of simple, right? If your boss at work tells you to go do something, what do they want you to do? Do it, right? It's not rocket science, unless your job is rocket science, I guess. Um, it, it, when you're a kid and your parents said, clean your room, I think, why don't you clean your stinking room, <laughs> okay? Like, that's all it, it is. James 1.22 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Right? Don't, don't, don't just hear, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word he's not, and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, and it being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who, who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So the first step is hearing Jesus' words. Do you have ears to hear Jesus' words? Do you have opportunity to hear? And, and we talk about this a lot, but are we feeding regularly, daily? Are we feeding on God's word, right? Not like, not a little sample, not just Bible verse of the day, but, but do we regularly carve out time, like intentionally? Do, do we make a, a decision to, to spend time with the Lord every day in his word? Last Sunday night, part of our discussion in the, in the Knowing God book was on, on meditating on God's word. The, the world talks about meditating in, in a way that's like emptying your mind. And, and scripture really describes the opposite. It, it says to fill your mind with, with God's word. The psalmist wrote about hiding God's word on our hearts and, and letting uh, God's word light our path so that, so that we can see where we're going in order to follow God. So are you hearing God's word? Because we hear all kinds of messages through the week from many, many sources. Are we hearing the word of the Lord? 
Is it scripture that's shaping how we think, right? That's shaping how we think about culture, right? Does scripture shape how we think about the societal issues that we are facing today? Does it inform how we treat neighbors, how we treat our coworkers, how we treat strangers? Are we doing what he says? And of course, the first question is, have you responded to the gospel, right? Maybe you've been in church a, a long time or, or just a little time, but, but have, you, have you responded to the good news that, that Jesus came, that he, he died for you, that he rose from the grave, that, that he's made it possible for you to be forgiven of your sin if you'll trust in him, if you'll place your faith in him? Have you done that? Have you turned to Christ? Or are you ignoring his words? And if you've already responded in faith, are you continuing to do what Jesus says, right? Because this is what wisdom is, that, that we hear the truth and we act on it. We, we, let's just take some things from sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, right? Are, are we living as the salt of the earth, as Jesus has told us we are, or, or the light of the world? Do we humbly deal with our own sin before, before we help a brother or sister in their sin, do, do, we, do we do these righteous acts for the Lord? Or are we doing it in order to get noticed by our peers? Are, are we merciful? Are, are we meek? Do we seek peace? Are we prepared to be persecuted for the sake of our Lord Jesus? Do we love those who hate us? Do, do we pray for our enemies? What about the golden rule, right? Which starts with, with doing. Are, are we doing unto others as, as we would have them do unto us? Does that impact how we treat people online? Are we giving people the benefit of the doubt? Are we helpful to people? Are we, are we a servant in our workplace? Are we fair and honest in, in our business dealings? Do we, do we try to understand others? Or are we just impatient with them and make assumptions? Right? When we disagree with people, how do we treat them? Do we, do we do it like the world does? How do we talk about people that, that we don't agree with? Are we taking Jesus' words seriously? How he's told us to live. Verse 21, I mentioned that it says, it's the one who does the will of Jesus' Father in heaven that will enter the kingdom. We cannot miss that following Jesus means obeying him. And Dan read Romans 12, 1 and 2 earlier. It talks about offering your body as a living sacrifice. Right, as the whole Sermon on the Mount is talked about, following Jesus involves all of who we are. No part of us is held back. He who gave up his life for us requires that we give him our life in return. So that means he can ask anything of you. That means that, that he can transform you into whatever he wants to. This means that your allegiance is to Jesus first and foremost, right? The, the Jesus is Lord. He's above your family. He's, he's above your culture. He's above your career. He's above your nation, your ambitions, your political leanings. He's above your fears, your health, your dreams, everything. Following Yahweh, worshiping Yahweh requires all of who you are and he is so worth it. We put into practice what Jesus says. The, the flourishing life is living in the ways that Jesus has instructed us, right? He's, he's created us for this relationship with him. How often though, 
do, do we look at Christians or, or the world look at Christians and, and, and see very little Christ-likeness or, or maybe no Christ-likeness? Too often, Christians bring disgrace to the beautiful name of Jesus. Every one of us has done that. We must do what Jesus says. John, in, in 1 John 2, 4, he writes, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the, trust, and the truth is not in him. So we look at the, the foolish builder. Right? This is the builder that hears the words of Jesus. It's, it's not a case of they haven't heard. Right? They hear the words of Jesus, but they don't do what he says. And he says, this is like coming to a building site, and you see sand. You're like, yeah, this is a, this is a great spot to build my awesome house. And instead of digging down, they, they just start building right on the sand. Right? What a moron. And that's what we get the word moron from this word here that they've translated fool. This house, right, you might be a great builder. You might do the framing perfectly. You might do every detail right, but you're built on sand. So this house will eventually come crashing down, right? It will not stand against the winds, the rain, and the floodwaters. Now, looking at these two houses, if you were to come up and, and compare the two of them, you might not notice the foundation at all, right? You don't really notice the foundation of a house when you walk up to it. I've never walked up to a house and said, man, that foundation is killer. Like, look at that thing. No, if you notice a foundation, it usually means there's a problem. Like, there's, there's a crack in it. There's a, there's a gaping hole in it. So, so both these houses, they, they, they might look good. In fact, the one built on the sand, there's a chance it even looks better. It, it might be bigger. It, it might have uh, cooler features. It, it might be more luxurious, but it's built on a foundation that will fail. All right, Jesus says these storms will come, the, the wind, the rain, the floods. And, and you, you, can, you could connect this to life, right? There are storms, there, there's wind, there's rain, and, and life will test this house that you built on. But when we look at the context, I think you'll agree, this is talking about the end. This is talking about judgment, which is a thread that we see in the sermon here. The life built on the foundation of the gospel will come face to face with Jesus, and it will not come crashing down. This person uh, will not hear, depart from me, I never knew you. Instead, they'll hear, well, do, well done, good and faithful servant. Right? They hear the word of the Lord, they've responded in faith, they've, they've given themselves to Christ, and he's, he's produced in them this righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees. It's a righteousness of the whole person, the, the inner and the outer incongruence. But for those uh, who, 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 or not but, but uh, for those who trust in Jesus, there's great comfort here. Right? If you've built your foundation on Jesus, this solid rock, he will not fail you. Jesus will not let you be judged by your own merits, but, but on his. His righteousness is now yours. Now the house built on sand, it could survive everything in this life. Right, right? Every, every trial, every storm. Right? You, you can hear the words of Jesus and ignore them. You can build your life on something other than Christ and you might feel satisfied in this life. By your own judgment, you might call your life great. Maybe, maybe your life 
Maybe this house that you built never comes crashing down in this life. That's totally possible. But your house will not survive the storm of judgment. Your house will not stand before the Lord if it's not built on him. Building a house that only makes it through this life is total foolishness. Building on a a sandy foundation is short-sighted. The only possible outcome is destruction. And this is what Jesus ends the sermon with, destruction. Imagine you're there as a listener on that day and you've heard him say some of the most incredible things that that have ever been said, right? Here we are 2,000 years later talking about this over, over weeks and weeks. And he ends here. It's not exactly a feel-good ending. What it is, it's brilliant. It's an ending that invites you to honestly look at yourself. Right? This, whole, this whole sermon, uh, there have been all these invitations. And here's an invitation to, to live the life of flourishing that you were created to live By ending the sermon the way he does, Jesus invites you to consider what your life is built on. If it's built on him, you have nothing to fear. If it isn't built on Jesus, you've got to ask yourself, is Jesus right in what he teaches? Are you a fool to trust that your ways are better than Jesus? We've come here to uh, the end of, of Jesus' words in the sermon. I'm going to have Matt come up. He, he's going uh, to play his guitar for us a bit because I, I want us to have a time of reflection. I, I don't just want us to, to, to move on to the next thing. I, I want us to, to think back through this sermon. And so for some of you, like the first thing you need to ask is, have you, have you chosen wisdom or have you chosen folly? And maybe, uh, maybe others... Looking back through through the whole Sermon on the Mount, you can you can open your Bibles, look through the three chapters. Maybe maybe you need to ask, man, how how has Jesus been calling me throughout this entire sermon to grow in Him? Right? Where 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 do I not have this whole person righteousness? Where where am I doing these exterior things, but my heart is so far from Jesus? What is what has He stirred in you as we've gone through? this sermon. So if you need to close your eyes and do that and pray, if you want to look at scripture, great, but I'm going to give you like, like two whole minutes here, right? And for some of you, that's going to feel like an eternity for others. Like you're just going to barely get started, but, but I want you to, to reflect. And I encourage you, even when you go home today, sometime today, reflect on this sermon. So Matt's going to play. I'll give you a couple minutes and then I'll, I'll close this off by, uh, by praying.
Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, the, the months that we've spent in the sermon on the mount here. And uh, Lord, what we don't want to do is hear uh, your incredible teaching and then live like, like we never heard it. God, we, we want to respond to it. I, I pray for um, anyone here or, or online that, that maybe they've realized as we've gone through the Sermon on the Mount that they actually don't know you, that they haven't. They haven't trusted in you as Lord. They just keep trusting in, in, in themselves or in, in other things. Lord, um, God, I pray that, that today they would trust in you, that they would, that they would give themselves to you, Jesus. Lord, I pray for those who are, are already brothers and sisters in Christ, that, that you, that, that as we've been going through this sermon, as you've been calling them, you've been, you've been sanctifying them, shaping them to look more and more like you. God, I pray that we would respond, that we would, we would grow, that we would, we would give to you every, every part of, of us, Lord. The, the parts that, 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 that sometimes we want to hide from you, Lord, I pray that we would, we would let you have those too. God, that, that we would be a people that, that, that inside and outside, we're about you, we're about your kingdom. We want to see you glorified, Jesus. God, God, would you continue to shape us, continue to grow us, continue to show us where, man, we're, we're, we're trying to produce a righteousness of our own and, and not, not coming to you and receiving your righteousness, Lord. Jesus, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.